Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How are you? Are you in Albuquerque? I'm in the Kirk. Yeah, I'm in the Kirk. I just arrived. I literally landed, got to the hotel. I had to eat. Got a little fish and chips across the street. And now I'm, I'm in my hotel room. And uh, work tomorrow. First scene. First scene up. And then I get in my car and I drive back to Colorado for seven hours. That's my uh, two-day schedule. So if anyone's in Albuquerque, don't try to contact me because I will be gone when this episode airs. So let's run through that again. Okay. And we have a special guest to bring on, but... uh, We do. Oh, we do? This is news to me. No, we do. Do you read any of the texts? Any. Every third word I sort of do. You know. Skip by. Um, so you, you you flew to flew to Albuquerque or drove to Albuquerque? I flew. How are you driving back? My car is here. You know, I know that our audience is uh, really into logistics, so I'm going to go through this. Okay. Um, I drove from Colorado. My truck, seven hours. I drove it here, and in the last couple of weeks, I've been flying back and forth, leaving my truck here so I can get to work. You know, because they don't pick me up and take me, take me home from work. I have to get there myself. Now, I'm going to drive my truck home on Thursday and then drive home on Sunday to L.A. So then my truck and everything is in L.A. I'm going to rent a car in Albuquerque and then I'm going to fly back and forth from L.A. for the next three months to be with my family Oh, and I've got some I, news. I've got some news. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I read the script, the third script, and there was a part of my um, ex-wife, not my ex-wife, but we're separated for various reasons, and I'm trying to get her back, and you know, it's a, there's a storyline there. And uh, I put Aaron Bartlett, now known as Aaron Hudson, after she was married, on tape, to read the scene to audition for this part and she fucking got it. So she, and she was great by the way, um, sent the tape off, you know, the creator, the producers texted me and said, she did great. We got to put it to the higher ups. 
And they then sort of, you know, told me that, look, we've had other people audition who are friends and family and relatives and stuff, and we would never put her through if, if she wasn't good enough. Because I said, look, if she's not right, then fuck it. You know, it's just for fun. It's not a big deal. But she was great. Casting director emailed me, you know, saying she was really good. And this is a prominent casting director at Fox. And uh, she got the fucking job. So she's playing my estranged wife. That's so great. So you're such a giver in these projects. You had your son hired. You had your Aaron was going to be part of the montage of back in the day with your other show that didn't get picked up. And now... And I can say this out loud because our special guest couldn't hear what you were saying because I'm wearing headphones. Now Aaron is going to be in this new Fox show with you as your estranged wife. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh, there's the special guest. What is she wearing? What is she wearing? What is Michelle Beisnerbuck wearing? She's wearing a cloak of uh, uncertainty, jealousy, <laughs> uncertainty, and anger. Oh, Oh, this is so going to be a good special what guest. Know, what you don't know is, so in the last episode, which we did prior to Field of Dreams, which we will talk about um, as this podcast continues, we named it, or Josh Windish named it, No Name Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because I told the story about how I left my wife's actual name out of my acceptance speech in Canton, Ohio for the Pete Rosell Award 2020, given in 2021. Um, Michelle happened to listen to it yesterday morning. Wow, late. And came bouncing late. into the kitchen and said, I've got a bone to pick with you. Can I interrupt for just two seconds? Yeah, I, I did, feel like she should be able to hear this. Did did she did she listen? Hold on, did she listen to this new Smartless episode before our new episode? Oh, that's a good question. Question from Oliver Hudson, Albuquerque, New Mexico, wants to know if you listened to the new Smartless uh, podcast episode prior to listening to our latest episode. Why is that relevant to what we're about to talk about? Well, because Joe said you just listened to the Field of Dreams episode like yesterday when it came out a week ago. No, the the, the No Name Hall of Fame episode? Yes. Yeah. No, well, I started to listen to it. Listen, I bounce around. I, just I don't, answer I don't the question. times or days that I listened to said podcast. So jealousy cloak now that you are wearing... Have no fear. I have listened to every single one of the podcasts that you've done. I know, I but it's about every priority. Every podcast that Smartless has done. It's about priority. It's about priority. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want. I want to make sure. How are you hearing this? Are you reading his lips? <laughs> I, I, I read. I, I don't read hear all anything. His lips very well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to be able to hear. I don't know why I can't hear you. I think it's because of this jangly setup check. that Josh gave me. So we're gonna have to share headphones. Hold, please. Okay, I'm going to hold. Hear. You can hear me? How? Well, now I can't. I could hear when these were on you. Okay. <clears throat> okay. There. Okay, I guess. Can you, you hear? Can yeah. Yeah, we can hear through it. Just flip those around. Oh, you can hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's about priority, Michelle. You know what I mean? Like, I know you listen to every episode of ours, it but it, you, you listen to it late. And did you, did you or did you not listen to Smartless podcast before? Hours this last week. 
Just answer well, the question. I don't, I don't go in order of things. So did I you listen or to did a little bit of Smartless, listen, and then I listen to a little bit you, of you guys. Did you or did you not listen to the Smartless podcast episode, the new one, before ours? Just It's a simple question. I'm playing an FBI agent in this new show, and so as you can see, my personality well, has you're absorbed not my character. Because it's, it's, you, are, you need to really step into character and bring it. Because His character is going to be the guy that... He, as the he's going to be like a modern day. This is the way I read this rule for Oliver, like a modern day Columbo. Instead of going, uh, yeah, can I ask you one more question? Like Please. like just, this? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey. Just one more, one more thing. Uh, why was the kitchen door open if uh, if uh, you you had said you locked? <laughs> so you, what Oliver's going to do is he's just going to annoy the shit out of anyone that he's asking questions so of. So eventually they just relent. At all. They just relent and go, fine, I killed her. Right. Take me away. I'm done with these questions. You did give That's me good. an idea. You did give me an idea, though, because when I am promoting this show and they're asking me about the role, which they always do, I'm gonna say that I, I sort of base my character off of Columbo. I think that's a really funny because <laughs> <laughs> all the kids are talking about Columbo these days. <laughs> are you wearing a trench coat in this? Uh, that's funny. Um, are you wearing okay, a well, trench coat? Answer uh, the question. No, no. Actually, I like I like my wardrobe. I have a beard, long hair. T-shirt, jeans. He's a sort of an OTG FBI special agent. You know what I mean? Off the grid a little bit. So that's perfect for you. You it didn't is. grow out the hair or the beard yourself, huh? Oh, okay. Well, my hair was longer, and um, right. and they chopped it a little bit, and then I came to the table read in front of the network and the studio and everything shaved my beard but had a full on mustache. And I was like, let's nice. see how this plays because I would love to have a mustache. And it was sort of a 50-50 deal. And so they, they said, well, you can keep the mustache, but at least grow in the sides a little bit. So, <laughs> oh, Because did you want to incorporate some kind of a, you know, running your fingers through the stash? Oh, yeah, yeah, like for sure. Time, this, is, yeah. this is how this guy thinks, you know. He's uh -huh. like, hmm, you know. Like Kojak this. had a lollipop. You have a mustache. Uh, yeah, a below stash. nose hair. Uh all right, so she's mad. She okay. said, I have a bone to you know, pick you, with you. You brought up an interesting word, Oliver. The word that you just brought up is priority. Now, yeah. why would I be bringing up the word priority? Okay, can I Any take Any guesses? Can I, I mean, look, I know what went down, and we need to okay, be honest. Okay, but do you? Yeah, yeah, no, we, we talked about it. We talked about the same thing oh, where he, exactly. he didn't. Exactly, so you talked about it, which is great. So you heard his side which is awesome. We pop all zits here, babe. We pop all zits. What you we pop heard. all zits. We, there, nothing is off limits. <laughs> what you haven't heard, my friend, is the actual three minute and 24 second Hall of Fame speech, which we would like to play for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I want you to listen, unbiased if possible, and give me your candid and honest thoughts at the end of it. Okay, can now, I Now last I, week for listeners okay. out there that did not let's just give them a little refresher. Joe came on and said, "Oh, how, you know, you said, how does it feel Hall of Famer? Do you feel any different?" No, I don't. And here's why. Because I forgot to mention my wife's name, but what I did do in my 3 minute and 24 second speech was I told everyone about our love story. Yeah. I basically did everything and said everything but her name. Yes. Okay. That's where we will leave it. Okay, hold on. I want on. you to listen to I, the speech. We're going to listen to it, but I want to say one thing before the speech starts. 
Okay. Let's math, like, can we mathematically just break this down for a second? The three minutes and 24 seconds, we're going to equate that to Joe's entire career as a broadcaster. Okay. Where does Michelle Beisner fit into that 324, that three minutes and 24 seconds? You know what I mean? So it's a long career he's no. had. You've been a part of, a, you're an important part, obviously, but you're no, a short listen. part. You know, let's, let's, let's get mathematical for a second. You're just no, digging no, no. my hole no. deeper. I'm trying and to help you. I don't you. appreciate that. And you're not no. helping. You're not helping me at all. And let's also, let's also be clear about this. I have said many oh, times since this Hall of Fame speech happened, I know this was not intentional. I know you had triple zeros and, you know, somebody telling you to get the hell off the right. stage. I understand that. But you just listen to the whole thing. Okay. And, and I also said, and this is not about me. It is. I don't want to sound like some narcissistic asshole. Babe, I love you. I think you're beautiful. Your body's really great. I love your new boobs, everything. <laughs> I love it all. But it is about you. It is about you because he, you know how much he loves you. You know, I know. how he was, he, was, he was exalted in sort of speaking about you and just forgot your name. Why okay, does but, it matter? Because you care what other people think. That's it. No. Just, just, That's it. L- just listen to the speech and then we'll talk. Okay. Play it. Keep it. Clear your mind of any sort of biased thoughts, of any opinion from further conversations that might contribute to your listening abilities to be completely free, clear, and open. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Just you can tell by my pace what my mindset okay. is when I begin this, okay? <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to be quick. I've only got two minutes, so here we go. I'm 52, and I've learned it's all about luck and timing in life. Jack and Carol Buck met in the late 60s, and about nine months and three hours later, I was born. I grew up, and I live in St. Louis, home of the Super Bowl champion St. Louis Rams. My dad was my best friend, and my mom taught me everything I know. Her father, Joe Linsnick, played for the Chicago Bears in the early 1930s and was named by George Hallis on his all-time Bears team. My grandpa, Joe, played with Bronco Nagurski and Red Grange. He was like a second dad to me, so I grew up with an enormous love for the Bears and for the history of this great league. Back to timing. My dad's career took off when I was little, and I saw a man who loved to go to work. I saw what it meant to be a good broadcaster, but more than that, I saw what it meant to be a good man. He grew up during the Depression, was shot in Germany in World War II, and made his name, our name, the hard way. Timing, 1994, Fox gets the rights to cover the NFC. CBS is out. I'm pissed off because my dad's at CBS. And Fox hires Madden and Summerall, Stockton and Millen, and they run out of money, and then they allow me and Kenny Albert and Tom Brenneman to learn and grow in the job. I worked for incredible creative people like David Hill, who won this award in 2017, Ed Gorin and Larry Jones and George Krieger back in the day. And after eight years of doing football at Fox, Pat and John Madden left, and it took three people to fill those two roles, myself, Chris Collinsworth, and Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, who is sitting on this stage, is everything that's right about the game of football. He's everything that's right about the Hall of Fame. 
He has more integrity than anybody I have ever met, and he deserves an Emmy for his work on air that is long overdue. It's our 20th year together, and I share this award with my dear friend Troy Aikman. Thanks to producers Mike Burks, Richie Zients, directors Artie Kemner and Rich Russo, booth mates Dave Schwabe, Bill Garrity, and Ed Sfida. Lastly, and I know it's time to go, my editorial consultant Steve Horn, who's been a best friend and makes me appear smart, smarter than I actually am. And I work for people that trust me and who I'd rather have a drink with than Eric Shanks and Brad Zager and Jake Ullman than anybody in my life. And finally, timing is best when it has to do with your personal life. I was married in 93, and I got two great daughters who are my best friends and smarter than dad in Natalie and Trudy. And nine years ago, I saw a woman standing in a hallway at Broncos Stadium after a Peyton Manning game. I stalked her. I married her. That was seven years ago, and three years ago, we had Blake and Wyatt. I stand here as Jack and Carol's son, Joe and Lily's grandson, Julie Buck's brother, Natalie, Trudy, Blake, and Wyatt's daddy. Very proud, very proud to get the Pete Rozelle Award. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Uh- Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more from Oliver and me. Thoughts, Oliver? Okay, okay, okay. First of all, let me say something. Joe, you're just, you're a fucking gem, dude. You you know how to speak. And you were rushing the shit out of that, but it was still impactful. Fucking awesome. I get it now a little bit, Michelle. I mean, only because he listed off a thousand names at the right. end. I'm the I'm this person's dad. I'm this person's son. I'm grandson. this person's this. Or this person's grandson. <laughs> but you're I, which I, I cop to. But I'm not Michelle Beisner's. I'm not Michelle Beisner's husband. To Michelle, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where I screwed it up. <laughs> but the paragraph before that was written. It's written in a way that is smart. But it killed me because I was leading to her name being at ESPN, which I said all this last week. And being at Monday Night Football, the best part of Monday Night Football, Michelle Beisner, my wife. Well, I cut not realizing that I hadn't said her name at the top of that paragraph. And so that's what killed me. And then I'm the asshole. It's an honest mistake. I mean, at the end of the day, who really gives a shit? I mean... I know that, but you have to, you have, I'm glad that you kind of see my point now. I'm not some lunatic that is, you know, taking his moment away to which at one point last week when he was sensitive and defensive about this because I was a little bummed out and hurt. He's like, you know what you've done? You've deflated. You've deflated and taken away from the moment. That's not what I said. I said my memory of going in for this award in Canton is completely <laughs> tainted now oh, because I it's, sure. it's dis, I disappointed you. No, not what he said, but that's okay. <laughs> the point is, he listed at the very end, like all he had to do was just say, and proud husband to Michelle Weisner. No, and just hey, anything. I, I will say this. 
as much as I'm like, who gives a shit? And I still believe that. Who cares, really? You know I'm, what I mean? Because I'm with you. Th- this is this is for an audience of however many. No one's really going to hear this. It's different when you're at the Oscars and you forget to do your wife, say your wife, and then every millions of people know about it. No one fucking knows about it. The three and a half people who listen to the show will know about it. But I get what you're saying, be only because he listed off a thousand names and who he was right. to these people specifically. That right. I get where you're like, what the fuck? What happened to me? That was to be covered in the paragraph that got but chopped as I'm hyperventilating. I understand how uh, anybody can understand. I'm just trying to defend myself. So can I understand on, what he's saying? So he's going on this, like, he's telling me that he's going on this apology tour. Like my girlfriend, Kathy Lee, who is a co-host of a morning show in Denver on 103.5 The Fox, he, he goes on her show and he comes out the other day and he says, well, I just apologized to all of Denver for you. So I talked to Kathy and she said, man, was it really like that bad? Because Joe told me that he t- like told your whole love story and that he said all this great stuff about you. He just <laughs> failed to mention your name. And I was like, let me send it to you. Let me send it to you and call me back. So I sent it to her and she did exactly what you did. She was dying laughing and she's like, uh, yeah, I get it. Well, what about what about what about you, what too. about your dad? What about your your dad, Michelle? Was he? Did he? Yeah. Listen, what about him? Did he listen to it? No, and he will not. <laughs> it's hard to get an audio video file on a flip phone. First no, of all, he doesn't even have a flip phone on a rotary phone. On a rotary phone, the uh, reception is not very good. <laughs> and secondly, she doesn't want to prove his point for him. So right, according to him if you interviewed him now with you know him not knowing that you know the story i would imagine you told your dad oh my god the whole speech was about me it was amazing and it was uh, 80 percent michelle 10 percent kids said one word to my father about it in fact my mother said well will you send me a link to the speech i said oh we didn't get one sorry mom okay well, well, well hold on i'm gonna dig deeper just for a second because it is called daddy issues right so why why wouldn't you want to send this to your dad why how do you think he would react to buck not mentioning your name for real like what's the he issue? would throw himself a parade and get and get like a big kegger and drink it and praise the fact that he was that he's right that he that he knew all along that Joe would not say my name and that I should now praise him for his bullshit okay. prediction. Okay, well, hold on because because prior to the speech your dad said to you he's not going to mention you. It's is not about you. He said it was it's you you know you might get a mention but you know probably not. I should have listened to him. So, so he started digging the grave before I even walked up there. Well, and then I walk up grave, on the honey. stage and then I just proceeded to lay down in the grave. <laughs> so now I'm trying to climb out of the dirt. I just did the SI podcast with Jimmy Traina. Said I, I added to the apology tour. I said it on that. I, I went it everywhere I go. That's all I can do. I can't rewind time. All I can do is but be the best it. Joe I can be. <laughs> Going forward. And you are the best, Joe, and I love you. But when you do this apology tour, you have to tell the whole story because... I did. All I said was I forgot to say her name. I said the only person... That's not really the whole story. When you Well, that's the the gist of it. (laughs) No, but no, no, no. But listen, listen. The whole story is as long as Joe on this apology tour doesn't talk about how you reacted to it, then it makes you... Never have. Right. Then it makes you look like some sort of a narcissist who's like, why didn't you mention my name? But 
if he just says, look, I forgot my wife's name and I'm sorry, then, then great. You know, that's fine. Yeah. You don't need the whole context of the story. And the only reason that the, the impression thing is, the reason why I'm jumping on with you guys is because last week I was left with the impression that you, Oliver, thought that I was like some narcissistic asshole who just needed him to stand up there and thank me for his 30-year career. And that is not the case. Well, um, you know, if that's what you think, then yeah, I have my own opinion. That's... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 look. I, I know you extremely well. I would never call you a narcissist in, in any fashion. But my, my point is, is that it hurts you. It actually affected you. You were bummed out by it. But you I know, I was bummed out but, by but, it. but that has nothing to do with Joe. That has to do with you and the perception of both of you and how he feels about you. Not about how he actually feels about you. The perception from the public who is listening to that speech, their perception oh, on your relationship. Oh, hell yeah. It's Listen. true. It's true because you know how Job feels about you. He said all these but amazing that's, things. But it's okay. I think if you put the shoe on the other foot, if Aaron were standing up in this kind of position and she said the same thing and I'm stand up, here's the proud, I don't know her siblings' names, but if, you're, if your mom did it, oh, I stand up here, a proud mother to Kate, to Wyatt. Boston. A prou- Boston. A prou- uh, Boston's not, that's not, that's not her kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. A, pr- <laughs> a proud wife to Kurt. Yeah, a proud. Okay, dog we got it. We got I know. Good night, everybody. Thank uh, you. Uh, That's you know, my only point. Here's you, the thing: you, you would feel a little stung by it, and it's okay. That's called being human. When you are the person that is there day in, day out, loves him, stands by him, does everything, you would be just a tiny bit hurt, and that's okay. I wouldn't be. That first make of me all, a I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be number one because I am Oliver Hudson, and people know who I am. So when she says, "You don't have to be number one. You just have to be mentioned." No. Nah. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I because I know the way my mom feels about me. If you're she gushed, telling me that you would not be bothered, let him talk. If she gushed about me for two and a half minutes and then forgot my name, it's like, oh well, I, I don't, I don't give a shit about that stuff. I don't, I don't care about that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just me. I, I just don't. I, I, I that does I not bother me. I, I'm not affected by that in any way. You know, I just, I'm just not. So I'm, I'm different that but, way. Can we acknowledge, but you did acknowledge, but why you are understand you bu- why I would have been a little bummed out. I acknowledge how you would be like, oh shit, yeah, you mentioned everybody and then you didn't mention me. But again, I don't, I don't know the ins and the outs of how it went down, meaning like, was there an actual fight? Was it, was it, was it like no. a moment where you were like really upset and it caused some friction within your relationship? Yeah. No. Well, no, I mean, we had a great night. I, I obviously knew what. Yeah. And felt so it was more fun. Right away, was it more but fun? We had a great night. Was it more fun? Like, oh my God, you forgot my name and funny and this and that. And like, sorry, holy shit. And I love you. And this is it. Or was it like, fuck yeah. you, Joe? Like, you son of a bitch. It was not like that. It was, it was, it was the first for sure. It was like, oh, let's listen to the speech again because they sent the link. And then I'm like, oh, I think you forgot to say my name. <laughs> I don't know. And then we had dinner and drinks, and it was, and the night was great. I'm sorry again. It's I'm okay. so sorry. Now we can continue our podcast because our listeners just all tuned out. 
Oh, okay. Well, listen, it's okay. I just had to come no, on and defend look, myself. No, I, I get I, it. I get it. As long as it didn't cause any sort of real fight or whatever, then yeah, it's fine. It's fun. You know, right. it's all good. It's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. It's fun. It's, it's so fun, fun, Garrett. It's fun. All right. I love you guys. How's the, is the show going well? Um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. You have, to, have you shot any scenes or is tomorrow yeah, your first I've scene? I've shot a couple days. I shot a few days. And did you remember your lines? I did. I knew oh, my boy. lines. I think I'll know my lines this week. And I, I'm really making it a point to try to really know my lines really, really well on this thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. Love yeah. you. Love you, babe. You look good. Love you, babe. You're looking good. You All look right, healthy. Guys. Loving it. Love you, Michelle. Michelle Beisner Buck, ladies and gentlemen. Michelle Beisner Buck. Wow. I'm the proud son to Jack and Carol. I'm the proud grandson to Joe and Lily Linsnack. I'm the proud husband to Michelle Beisner and the proud dad to Natalie, Trudy, Blake, and Wyatt. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, that was good. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. All this is going on. I've got Field of Dreams. I've got Jeopardy that aired last week. I've got, you know, my know. podcast partner shooting a show in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I, I just there's How a was, lot of stuff um, happening. First of all, let's go let's start with uh, with Jeopardy. I mean, did do you know the ratings or how, I think how, uh, no, I asked yesterday and and I'm I'm because it's syndicated, I think it takes a couple of weeks because okay. it's, it's pulling from all these different markets. And I don't think people really, my family, my kids don't understand what syndicated is, but it could be on the NBC affiliate in St. Louis and the ABC affiliate in yeah. Albuquerque and right on down the line. Each little affiliate buys the show. That's why the show's so profitable. Yeah. It, it costs $5 to make. Oh, yeah. And they just print money. That's why uh. they couldn't screw this up. So... As my episodes are about to air, they announced that Mike Richards, who's the executive producer, or the actual line producer too, is going to take over as host, which was my call back in 2020 when I met with him in November or December. I just saw that coming. I was like, mm -hmm. it's going to be Mike, and if it's not Mike, it's going to be Ken, which I think is, and I just said this on another podcast today, I think that's what allowed me to be totally freewheeling yeah. I, I wasn't there trying to get a job yeah um yeah and and that's a good position to be in i had a blast and because it, it, it we i shot it when we were all together and we ended up going to mexico that day back in may it had been so long that i was watching these shows just like an average person it happened to be me but i didn't remember any of the specifics so i loved it i loved how it looked i loved how i came off i loved the fact that they allowed a lot of my jokes to stay in which they could have easily cut out and uh you know who who can say they've done a rodney dangerfield impersonation as the host of jeopardy <laughs> and i can so it, it turned out i mean those in my life whose opinion i trust loved it and and I'm getting people from a lot of different areas in the business and beyond that that really thought I did a good job. So it's well, been great. you still have to send me send me a link at least for one show because I mean it's on at a time that I, I, at four thirty. I mean I, who watches yeah. TV then? I don't know. But yes, yeah, send me a link. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more daddy issues.
Um, and then moving to the field of dreams, how was your criticism with the field of dreams broadcast? I have never done a game that across the board people were more it had nothing to do with me. The setting, yeah, the Costner part, the two teams, the game they played. I don't feel like we got in the way as broadcasters. The production was off the charts. I mean, it just was the rating was the highest regular season rated game since 2005. I mean, people tuned in, liked what they saw, stayed with it. And it was just a special night that I will never forget. Now we're going to do it again next year and they're going to keep trying to do it. And I'll be interested to see how it plays year two. But for the lights to come up on this place, it's sitting in, in the middle of a cornfield adjacent across a cornfield from where they shot the movie in Dyersville, Iowa. I think people were stunned at how it looked and Costner and, and the music and everything else. It was pretty magical. And, and that's not being, you know, gaggy kind mm-hmm. of uh, and uh, you, uh, you know, over the top. It was good. It was and fun. you wore you wore a bow tie, right? I wore a bow tie. That's as far as I would go. Uh, <laughs> John Smoltz dressed as like a character from the musical Newsies. Uh, he had the 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 he was like in My Fair Lady on. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Fair Lady. Like he's walking through her. Mary Poppins. Like <laughs> Mary he's doing Poppins. chalk art in uh, in the park, waiting for Mary to land again <laughs> after she's been gone for months. So. Uh, and, and Tom Verducci wore a top hat and it was just like, I, I was like, I'll wear, I'll, I will wear a bow tie. How about that? <laughs> they had hats. I'm like, I'm not wearing a hat. Oh <laughs> man, not. that's fucking funny. I wish you did go all out. <laughs> you Hello again, everybody. And I didn't do what we talked about where it's like, and here's a ground ball to the old sidewinder who whips it over the first. <laughs> that'll be out number two. You should have done that at least just one play. I mean, what do you have to lose? Absolutely. Here we are, John, sitting in the catbird seat. Look down below where they're whipping <laughs> the old horse side around. Yeah, I know. <laughs> would have been amazing, dude. It would have been gone viral. It would have blown us up, Daddy. I'm issues. tired of being, being viral. I'm tired of anything that starts with V-I-R. Viagra. Virus. Huh? Viagra is that's yeah, yeah, V-I-A. Yeah. Viral. Yeah. Yeah, what else starts with VR? Just virtual. Virtual. We just came, we just landed on the same. Yeah, I don't want to do anything virtual. I want viral. to be there. I don't. Huh? Viral. Viral? I'm all for viral. Okay. Uh, Virgil. You. <laughs> Virginal. <laughs> Virgil was, um, I think that was Sam Elliott's name in Tombstone. That was Wyatt Earp's brother. I think his name was Virgil. Have you seen the Val Kilmer documentary? No, I want to see it though. Is it great? Did you watch it? I thought it was great. It was mesmerizing. And Kurt's in it as a young man, obviously, as they're shooting Tombstone. Ooh, you know what? I'm alone in my hotel room tonight and I'm going to watch that. Right after you watch five episodes of Jeopardy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we have time. I mean, once we get off this podcast in however long, like I'm, I'm hanging. So I say three minutes. I say start the clock now, and in three minutes we're off. No, we're at 35 minutes according to my Zoom. I think we need to give them a little bit more. Um, yeah. But so in the field of dreams, in the field of dreams game, did anyone like choke on a hot dog? No. No. And Matt, 
what was the girl's name again? Gab Gabby. Gabby Hoffman. Gabby, Gabby Hoffman. Good. Gabby good. Hoffman. Nice, Buck. Wow, that's good. Gabby Hoffman. Burke Lancaster walked through the uh, corn. <laughs> came out. Did a wave. And Ray Liotta was Ray Liotta there. The Ray Liotta was not there. He uh, did actually. I heard he showed up, but it was for the wrong event. He was actually the Goodfellas character. Right. He's like Karen. Karen. With Tommy that, uh, used to slice the garlic so thin it melted in the pan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's good. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was... Uh, so I told you this, I think offline, so mm. to speak, that I talked to Costner about... It. Costner wanted me to be the point person between him and MLB, him and Fox. And so I showed up to the rehearsal... And made sure that anybody that was around him, especially from my network, the people that I know that make all these video montages look so amazing, mm-hmm. that he knew he could trust them. I, it would be like, you know, he's a he's a creative movie making person, and and now you're trusting the offshoot of this film to people at a sports network that you don't know. And I mm-hmm. said. Trust me when I say this guy's name is P.T. Navarro, who does all these specialty shoots and all these really cool things. I said, when you see this, you're going to be blown away by how this looks with you walking now as a 65-year-old man through the corn, out onto the field. You're going to be thrilled. Mm-hmm. And and it, it just was a, a win that way. And I got to play catch with Kevin Costner on the field uh, the night before the game. Which maybe, was maybe, maybe the real field of dreams happened. Maybe Kevin Costner is actually your father. Ever thought about that? God. Maybe this is from a whole other time. Maybe he came out of the cornfields and Jack Buck is not your dad, but it's actually Kevin Costner. And that's why having a catch with him was so emotional for me. Yeah, you were weeping, you know? I was. I was thinking back to myself at 20, which is when the movie came out, Thinking back to where I was in life, that was I had done one year of minor league baseball, and if you had gone back then and told me that in 2021 you're going to be doing a game between the White Sox and the Yankees on a field right wow. next to the one where they just shot this movie, and you're going to play catch with the guy that was in uh, this and dances with wolves and all the other things, I, I would have I would have believed you. No, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, it was such a big success for the MLB. I wonder, now, of course, Field of Dreams is big, you know, but what if they did, because next year the ratings will not be as big. It's just, no. it just won't be. I mean, the, 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 the event itself was was exciting and, and drew a lot of people, but what if you did something? Well, it was unique. What it's, if you did something gimmicky Next year it's no year. longer going to be unique. What if you what if you played next year at the Durham Bulls Stadium from you know Yeah um, somebody has said that to me uh, on a radio show I did you know take take Major League Baseball to a small town it doesn't always have to be yeah. Dyersville Iowa it yeah. can be in the Badlands you could do a game it could yeah. be in Maine somewhere where a lot of these communities by the way have minor league baseball so it's yep. not like you're landing on Mars and playing baseball, and everybody's like, oh, my God, what is this game? They all know the game. Of course. It's just that they haven't seen a major league game in their community. So 
Yeah, I think there's value. There's of course. Value well, it. hockey did it, you know, New Year's Day, that outdoor game, you know. And it's a blast. They did one in St. Louis a few years ago, and it was a tough ticket. I went down there. They played the, the Blues and Blackhawks, played a game at Bush Stadium. I think it was the Blackhawks. It was definitely the Blues, and it was so cool. Uh, they did one at uh, in Tahoe this past year where yep. it was still so warm. They had to play at midnight. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think taking these, but but that requires a lot of planning yeah. and money and all that other stuff. But it's worth it, I think. Fun, fun, fun. fun. You have you have you just have a good time, man. You just have a good time. You have a great job. Such a great most job. Most of the time, most of the time, yeah. it's a great job. It's awesome. It is uh, awesome. James Holzhauer ripped me for my Jeopardy. I guess he's like number two on the all-time list, money-wise. Oh, really? What did he say? He tw- Well, he had two tweets, so I don't really get it. He, he had one where he ranked the guest hosts, and he had Aaron Rodgers one, me two, mm-hmm. and then Ken Jennings last. So mm-hmm. maybe that was more a rip on Ken Jennings. Mm-hmm, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't that, that's their little inside joke. And I hear Ken Jennings, by the way, who are uh, one of our wardrobe people at Fox, who I love and think of as a sister, is doing the show with him. And she says he's great. And he thought it went well, me doing Jeopardy. Uh, but this guy, James Holzhauer, then said another tweet was like, well, I hear they're going to make whoever gets the job quit their other job. So I'm hoping Joe Buck gets the job, which was a rip on me doing oh. sports. You know what? Who is this guy? He's number two on the money list. Number two on the money list. One of the three genii that uh, competed in the all-star event. It was Ken Jennings, him, and then the bartender from New York. Who, who gives a shit? Who's this guy? Whatever. I got more, I got more people ripping me than that have more power than him. So, you know, hey, that's life. So eventually, I'll be gone. You know, that's the thing. And yeah. I saw this with my dad. Yeah. Eventually... Life moves on. Yeah. You know, you, you think, as a kid, I grew up thinking my dad hung the moon. And in some cases, even to this day, people in St. Louis think that he hung the moon. But, okay, so then you're gone, and then shit just keeps going. So nobody really cares. I don't know why, and, I, and know. I go to therapy for this stuff, and yet I really shouldn't care. I shouldn't care with the the social media stuff. Because eventually I'm not going to be doing it, and I'm going to look back and yeah. remember the games and remember the job I had. I'm not going to remember that other stuff. I don't care. It, yeah. And and then that pack moves on to the next person doing it. It doesn't matter. Did your dad get criticized? All the time. But back in the day, I mean, he was signed to a four-year deal, a two-year deal, and then an option for another two years. And after two years of doing the games on CBS, now this, he was in his mid-60s, but they went another direction. And and he was doing the games with Tim McCarver. And I I saw the harsh side of what it what I do now. And mm-hmm. I saw letters that he would get, crazy lunatic letters, like racist stuff and stuff mm-hmm. from other countries and like hate mail. It was hate mail. Mm-hmm. Now hate mail takes the form of social media where it doesn't doesn't take any effort or really any ingenuity to get right at somebody. You mm-hmm. just say, hey, at Jack Buck. Hey, at Oliver Hudson. Hey, mm-hmm. at Buck. Hey, whatever. 
And you, you know, if they're reading their stuff, it goes right to their phone, which somebody said to me, and I know we're going on and on about this, but it becomes almost more personal because it's on your phone. Mm -hmm. Like this is the thing I talk to my family. I'm not opening a letter from a nut job who mm -hmm. says you suck. It's coming from a prison. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's on my phone. So this is what I I have pictures of my kids and then I'm like okay swipe past a picture of my kid on my screensaver and then it's like oh you fucking suck oh great that's nice so anyway uh, what are we gonna have for lunch I know I know I know I mean I, I don't I don't read that stuff you know I, I just I I barely read it I mean it's different but you're, with me you're in a position like I I say this to people are stuck with me. Like mm -hmm. if they're watching the World Series, they got me. If they if they're following you, there's a reason they follow you. Unless they're just a complete asshole, they like you. They they see you in something. They mm -hmm. watched you. They have an affection for you on screen, or a band. You know, the Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. If you bother to follow him, you like him. So for me, I have to be down the middle and do all these games, and it's just like you become the lightning rod for people who are pissed off that their team just lost the game that defines their existence. So it's, it's just a different experience for somebody in sports than it is for somebody in acting. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Please share the love and tell a friend about Daddy Issues and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We beg That's you. That's right. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up right after the break. You talk about sort of, it's a short life, you know what I mean, at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, and who... Who really gives a shit? And I just got a unsolicited text from my dad a few days ago. And it he said, paraphrasing, but it was reflective. You know, it was like, hey, you know, thinking about you, I love you. Just know that I love you more than you ever know. And I think about you every day. And, you know, I, I know I, was, I, I wasn't a good dad to you and Kate and, and Kurt, you know, basically... I'm proud that I'm happy Kurt came in your life and all this stuff. And then he says, sort of ending it with, you know, he goes like, my life is like an acid trip. You know, that's something he said. And it just sounded so reflective because I, in that moment, imagined him thinking back on his life. He's 70 and just sort of going over it from the beginning and his dad bailing on him and then him having, you know, a kid at 16 and giving it up for adoption. And then, and then his, then my, then we come along and he bails and then his second, you know, family. And then he, he had that messes up and then he's got a third kid. He's probably lonely and sitting there thinking about his life. And he's probably like, holy fuck, what a fucking trip. You know what I mean? It's just gotta be scary when you sit wherever you are, and there's more behind you than there is in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what age you are when that happens. It's not 50. It's before 50. Because mm -hmm. I sure as hell don't expect to live to 100. So, mm -hmm. and, and then all those young life decisions that form the rest of your life. So it's one thing, you know, 
he was making decisions back then that shaped not just his life for the rest of time, but the life of Oliver, the life of Kate, the mm-hmm. life of Goldie, the life of his other kids, the life of... And, and all of a sudden, everything just kind of... It's like a bunch of tributaries that come off that. And those decisions that he made carried major consequences. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. now and, here and, you and, are and, as a 40-whatever, five-year-old man, and you're looking back at... And you're affected by what he did in a moment when... You know, he was going through whatever the hell he was going through. So it just everything feeds off everything. And now here he is going, God, I Well, especially, and, and you know what. this, just being such a present dad and it being such an important part of my life. I mean, <clears throat> almost too much, not too much, but, you know, I, I just, I put a lot into it. I can't, I can't imagine being, whatever happens with Aaron and I, being 70 years old and, and thinking, back on my first two kids and being like, oh my God, like, I don't know them. I never have. I have no idea who the fuck they are. I knew them as 12 and 13, 12 year old yeah, kids. Yeah, you and, froze in time. You stuck dude, in time for him. that's so gnarly. I know that everyone, not everyone, a lot of people have had, you know, abandonment issues or parents who have left. And, and you sort of just talk about it and you go through your therapy. But when you really sort of dig in to what that must feel like, not for you, sort of the victim, so to speak, but for, you know, the, the other, on the other side of it, it's, that's gotta be so difficult, you know, especially if you have remorse and if you are reflective and if you, you know, if, if you are sort of not towards the end, but like you said, on the, on the second nine and you're going through every piece of your, of your world and thinking, man, I missed out. I, I have two children and I don't know who the fuck they are. And they're 45, year old, 45 years old. I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's so weird. I mean, imagine not knowing Natalie or Trudy. I mean, imagine me not knowing Wilder or, or, or Rio. I, it's, 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 it's so fucking crazy, dude. So crazy. It is, and I just can't imagine. And I know we've had people that we've talked to on this podcast that listen that have had abandonment issues and have dealt with this and i just can't imagine being a parent and being like eh, eh, yeah you know whatever and just skipping out and not regretting that every minute of every day to the point where you would be probably driven back in there to go all right let's make this work or okay it's not going to work between mom and dad but damn it i'm going to be a part of this kid's life and i'm going to do everything i can to make sure that this kid knows that I love him or her. And, well, and it's, it's, it's funny because as you get, get older, that. or I can only speak for myself, as I get older and I've been through all my shit with my dad and personally and dealing with whatever it was, you know, the roles have reversed. And we've, and we've talked about this before, but I feel the, like the older one now, the more mature one, the one who has to take the initiative and make sure that when he is on his deathbed that he has no regrets, if he doesn't have the capacity to do it emotionally, and I do, I feel like it's my job to almost reach out to him and give him what he can't take himself because he just doesn't have the tools. You know, so if I can give that to him before he dies and he's allowed to sort of move on to whatever the next chapter is without guilt, then I think that's my job to do that. You know what I mean? 
Um, I don't know if it's your job. Not my job, but it's But it's very big of you, and that just speaks to where you are in life. You've got a great wife. You've got great kids. You're a grounded person. You somehow found your way through your childhood and the craziness that as a St. Louisan and as a Midwesterner, I see the LA life wondering how in the world you ended up the kind of person that you are. And I think it speaks to your mom and I think it speaks Mm -hmm. to Kurt and your sister and everybody that you have around you that you lean on to become the man that you've become. And now you're in a position where you can reach out an olive branch to your dad and it's completely flipped and mm-hmm. and you have the upper hand on that now because it's almost like what what can he say what can he do you can't Nothing. go back and no. go hey you know about the, you know about these past 30 years sorry about that <laughs> i mean what do you say there's yeah. nothing to say no and you're a dad yourself so you understand it now more than everybody or anyone you understand it and yeah. that's what i tried to get across in my book which my half brothers and sisters didn't really get I, what I was saying was, oh, there were a couple snarky things I put in there, but now as a man who's gone through divorce and who has seen what it does to kids, I understand why when I came into the world in 1969, a house full of six children and a wife, an ex-wife, they didn't like me. Yeah. And, and because I represented to them the end of their yeah. nuclear family. Yeah. And, and, and that's just human nature. So... And now I understand that better than ever because I've gone that down that path of trying to make sure everything's okay with Natalie and Trudy before I try to make sure I'm okay myself. Yeah. And, and now blending Natalie and Trudy with Michelle, now blending Natalie and Trudy with Michelle, Blake, and Wyatt, now making sure they know that they've not lost one ounce of their standing with me and they're as important now as they were when they were two. That, that's been my life goal mm-hmm. not calling the field of dreams game it's it's i want to make sure the people that i love know how much i love them mm-hmm. that's that's the main thing yeah yeah it's all that matters and you've done good it was rocky at the in the beginning but you know things smoothed out more than smoothed yeah. out you know yes and i i have letters that I've written to them, letters that they've written to me, stuff that I don't keep a lot of that stuff, but that, and and I had a whole wall of things that my girls wrote to me over the years that was up in my old room that'll go up in some part of this new house of Father's Day cards and just these different just because notes that they would write me or a pump up before an all-star game when my voice was wrecked that mean more to me than any Emmy that's sitting behind me or any whatever. Were they so. actual written letters? Yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, it's it's funny. They, they, they were right in that sweet spot of still writing letters. I mean, I don't think past the Father's Day card when they're 12 and 13 and under that I will get anything handwritten just because of the world that we live in today. Right. <laughs> it it's going to be R-O-T-F-L and every every... <laughs> correspondence you're going to get from your kids are going to have those little like sure it's like tbh dad lol fml (laughs) omg oh my god dad where were you i had such fomo that i was not there when you were in alb (laughs) Uh, speaking of which what is on your shirt i can't for the life of me i can't tell if that's share 
Oh no! Okay, it looked like a it looked like a skinny human. No, look, it says bacon, and it's like a stone piece of bacon. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Did you buy that for yourself, or did yeah. somebody buy that for you? I did. I got it for myself. See, look at it now, right now. Like, as you're back, as you're back there, I, it looked like a skinny person holding a microphone. Yeah, it no, like it does. From the Sonny and Cher show. No, it's it's a it's a strip of bacon smoking a big doobie. Oh, I feel so much better, and I'm really glad I brought this up. <laughs> look at his heavy eyes, bloodshot eyes. Yeah, bacon, man, Aspen, Colorado. Eyes, that's what it says underneath. Eyes black like <laughs> dolls' eyes. <laughs> Um. All right, that was fun. I think we gave the people more than than we expected to give. I think we gave the people everything that they that they. Yeah. That they I mean, we'll finish. Let's finish with this. Look, we always joke about how many people listen and how we make no money and all that. Um, I do love having these conversations. You know, I mean, this maybe, you know, we we talked about this before. Maybe this just becomes a passion project. And uh, we just love having conversations and having people come up to us and saying, hey, man, I love that episode. And then, you know, maybe success will come. But who gives a fuck? A wise man once said, if you build it, he will come. Oh, yeah. We've, we've built this podcast. Well, I think it's they will come, isn't it? No, I used to think it was they will come. It's he no, it's he. No, it's they because no. he needed money. If you build it, they will come, Ray. No, no, he will come. It's about his dad. The whole movie, which I never really totally understood, is about his dad was a fan of Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was part of the 1919 Black Sox scandal, throwing the World Series. Young Ray Kinsella had a falling out with his dad because his dad was a fan of a criminal in his mind. Mm-hmm. And so they they fell apart. They they did not have a great relationship. Then the dad dies. And so there was a lot left unsaid. Mm. Everything we just talked about with you and your dad, there was all these things left unsaid between father and son. Hmm. And this is all a moment for him building this thing. So his dad walks out of the corn as a young man and they have that catch and he Ugh. calls him dad. And it's just... And the dad knows that's he doesn't really ever say, "Yeah, you're my dad." Oh my god! But dude. he just knows, and what then he movie. walks out, and he's like, "Dad, what a fucking movie!" Yeah, Ugh. the whole uh, ease his pain yeah. is not about ease the player, pain. the Moonlight Graham guy that got in for the New York Giants and never gotten at bat. That was Burt Lancaster's yeah. character. Who, be, who left the game, became a small-town doctor, and had a fulfilled life with a wife and kids and yeah. the one that saves the girl, Gabby, from choking on the hot dog. It, w- it wasn't about his pain. It was about easing the pain of the dad who died for the son and vice versa. Wow. I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I've, I've been... After Jeopardy, after Val Kilmer, then it's Field of Dreams. Right. Wait, yes, wait, 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 wait. But, but I, I, I still... I, I still think at some point in the movie it was if you build it they will come. No, that's what I always thought. Are you one hundred percent on this? Yes. yes, I'm gonna look this shit up the minute I'm off of this because I thought it was also about trying to save the farm as well, right? 
Well, at one point, James so, Earl Jones says, "Oh, they will come, Ray. Yeah, they will. They come, most Ray. definitely will come. They'll come from all over, Ray. Right. I am your father. Yeah, Luke. The game has been like a blackboard, <laughs> erased, and then drawn on and erased again. They will come, Ray. They, they will most come, Ray. definitely will come. This is CNN." <laughs> That's a good I way to end. I like this. I like father. ending this show this way because it's Field of Dreams. It ties in. Everything's good. Tying into daddy issues. If we build it, I mean, he will come. I mean, we got to go to they because who? Who? My dad, your dad? I don't know. Like, we need an audience. No. Well, my dad can walk out of the corn, so to speak. Your dad just walks out of Malibu wearing uh, <laughs> Doc Martens and a fucking tie-dye shirt. Like, hey, it's been a crazy acid trip. Right. What's up, kid? He works out of, walks out of like a Ventura casino. Like, hey, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> my family texting me. And so, um, yeah, just look it up. Maybe they will. do at one point say they will come, but I'm here to tell you because I watched it. Uh, okay, here, Margot Carmichael. Field What'd she of Dreams, say? 1989 film about an Iowa corn farmer who hears a voice telling him, if you build it, he will come. Yeah. He interprets this as an instruction to build a uh, baseball diamond in his fields. After he does, Shoeless Joe Jackson and other dead baseball players emerge from the cornfields to play ball. But that, again, that's not the main... No objective yeah. of what's going on there it's it's father and son things left unsaid okay pain i'm gonna believe it he will come he will come that's what it is trust me um all right jb i'm gonna go i got okay. a lot of i got a lot of uh got a lot of videos to watch a lot of videos to watch to a lot of tv to watch what's your first line tomorrow my first line is wait or renee wait up Renee, wait up. Renee, wait up. And I hand her a file. And she says, this is Armand, blah, 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 the whole thing. And I say, yeah, it's Tony and her kid. Tony's a female? Yeah. She's, she's, I think she's from Cambodia in the show. Yeah, I say... Um, I say that. I say, yeah, she, it's, uh, it's Tony and her kid. They look pretty cozy, don't they? And then she says, yeah, da 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 da, da, da. Maybe they're sleeping together. And I say, yeah, well, whatever it is, whatever it is, she lied to us, which means she's protecting him. And then she says, why you have a smile on your face? I don't know her line, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, what do I say? This is my bigger line. I say, um, I say, well, after losing Theo, I thought that there was zero chance of us getting anyone else on the inside. But Tony, Tony's already in. There it yeah. is. And then, you know, yeah, it's a little bit like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's really good. Yeah. Tony? And she says, you think you can? She's, she's like, in. yeah, if you can turn her. And I'm like, piece of cake. Piece of cake, babe. Piece of cake. Um, all right. All right. We built it. He will come. He came. No, he came. He came. Just leave it at that. Leave it there. I don't want to. Don't. I, yeah, I have don't so many things don't, to say. Don't ruin a good thing. Yeah. All right. 
Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. <laughs> 